0: Hi, this is Sarah McCaslin with the Forgotten Sheep Podcast, and in this podcast we're going to be covering part one of the life of missionary Amy Carmichael. And Amy Carmichael is my favorite missionary. I started reading her books when I was in my teens, and I'll be honest with you, I was just never the same. She has had a tremendous impact on my life, on how I look at things, on how I approach things. And so I am more than delighted to share my own personal viewpoint of Amy Carmichael. So who was Amy Carmichael? Well, she was an Irish missionary um, originally to Japan and then to India. And she was a missionary in India for over 50 years. Amy was controversial in her time, uh, primarily for what many thought were her kind of radical approaches to missions and because she really didn't care what people thought of her, her concern was what the Lord thought of her. And Amy was also known for being very plain in discussing the issues at hand. She didn't sugarcoat things. Um, She dealt in facts. Now, Amy was instrumental in rescuing countless girls from the horrors of human trafficking, and providing a safe haven for many young Indian widows before both of those practices were uh, made illegal. Amy also wrote about 20 books and many, many poems. And the missionary group that Amy founded, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this. You probably hear me say that at least once in every podcast, but the orphanage and missionary group she founded was named Donover, it still exists and is completely run by the locals, by local Indians. So, that's in a nutshell who Amy Carmichael was. So, she was born Amy Beatrice Carmichael in 1867 in Mill Isle County Down, Ireland. And she would be the first of seven children born into a good Christian family. Her parents were very strict, but also very, very loving. And it seems like in what I've read of Amy's life, they struck an excellent balance between discipline and reason, even though they were strict. They faithfully attended their local Presbyterian church, and Sunday was very strictly observed, and they also had daily prayers. Now, if you look up a picture of Amy Carmichael when she was a kid, you'll see her with her mother and sister and two brothers and amy is there holding this doll and i swear she has the most mischievous look i have ever seen on a child's face you can tell looking at that picture that amy drives her fam her mother crazy with her mischief um years later when she was working a lot with orphans and little kids and they would want to know about what her life was like as a child amy tried not to tell stories about the naughty things she did because she didn't want to encourage naughtiness and believe me there were plenty of naughty things that that amy did i i encourage you if you have the internet to look up the picture of amy as a little girl and you will see what i'm talking about that mischievous little face But she loved her mother dearly, and she loved her brothers and sisters, but she was just full of mischief. Well, very early on, Amy learned about prayer. You know, I mentioned the family uh, prayed together every day, and Amy loved blue eyes. She thought her mother had the most beautiful crystal blue eyes, and her brother had blue eyes. And she said she would pinch his cheeks to make him cry because it would make his eyes even brighter blue. Yeah, that's not a sweet sister, is it? So, again, we see an example of Amy's mischief. Well, Amy, on the other hand, had brown eyes and brown hair. And she wanted blue eyes like her mother so bad. And so, as a little child, Amy prayed and prayed and prayed for the Lord to let her have blue eyes. Every morning when she woke up, she would hop out of bed and run to the mirror and look and feel crushed that her eyes were still brown. And she had been taught that God answered prayer. For a while, little Amy was puzzled by this. If God answers prayer, then why aren't her prayers being answered? Why hasn't he turned her eyes blue? And as a child, Amy began to understand when it comes to answering prayers that no is an answer. It's not the answer we're wanting, obviously, but no is an answer. It's interesting, like I said, she was a mischief uh she was ringleader in all kinds of trouble, and it was one particular incident involving a laburnum tree. Amy had heard that the pods were poisonous. And so she convinced her brothers that they should eat these laburnum pods and see how many it took before they died. Yes, that was Amy's plan. See how many pods she could eat before they died. And, of course, they got sick before they could eat enough to die. I can only imagine a mother's horror when that's the type of thought process your young daughter has. Another time, she went to her mother complaining, and she said, Oh, mother, I have such a pain. And her mother said, Have you, dear? I hope it will do you good. And she said, But, mother, I can't bear it. It's a dreadful pain. Her mother said, Is it, dear? I'm afraid you'll have to bear it. <laughs> so um, one of the ways they were punished his children was what Amy called Gregory's Powder. And apparently it was this pink powder that was mixed up that, oh, to the kids. and just it was the most horrible tasting thing you could imagine. And she hated Gregory's Powder. And I mentioned them going to church regularly. She said the, um, her parents were probably upper, upper middle class. Uh, and they went to church where some of the, uh, not so well off people attended and so she said the other parents would give their kids peppermints and um they would try to give one to amy and her brothers and sisters and they were taught to say no thank you mother would rather that we didn't and amy said she just thought that was not fair that she wanted to have peppermints in church too so (laughs) well another incident uh, you, you read these things from amy's childhood and you're just amazed she survived to adulthood um she was eating plum stones the nanny had told the children that if they ate the plum stones the pits that it would cause a plum tree to sprout in their insides you know she's trying to get them not to do it and amy thought Oh, how awesome! I could eat these plum stones and have a plum tree grow out of me, and then I can have plums to share with everybody. And so she started eating plum stones. (laughs) So, um, you mentioned earlier, devotions were very important in the Carmichael household. And one morning, Amy was headed to devotions when she discovered a little mouse was drowning in a pail of water. And if there's one thing that Amy loved, it was animals. And so she rescues a little mouse out of the pail of water. However, she didn't just, you know, set it loose or something while Amy was going to take care of it. So she's tucked it in her pinafore, hoping it wouldn't squeak during prayer time. It did. <laughs> and another unusual thing that Amy did as a kid is she took her dollhouse that her parents had given her she was the oldest daughter and she removed all the furniture and all the dolls and replaced it with moths and beetles and mice and baby frogs and pretty stones and Amy said that she felt like she wanted a dollhouse that was alive so that's that's cute it was another incident that I think came close to giving her mother and father both a heart attack. Uh, Amy had decided that it would be fun to play in the, I believe it was uh, lead or tin gutters that ran along the roof. And so she convinced her brothers to join her, and they crawled out the bathroom window onto the roof of their two-story home. Yes. And her mother and dad come back home and they see the children had escaped, I guess, while the nanny wasn't looking, and were walking around on the roof of the two-story home. So uh, she was a st- no, no doubt. Amy was a source of great stress to her her mother. <laughs> now, when she was ten, Amy, up until the time she was ten, let me rephrase that: up until the time she was ten, Amy had basically been homeschooled with a governess. And she was free to enjoy herself however she wanted to. However, her parents decided it would be a good idea to send Amy to a Methodist boarding school. That poor Methodist boarding school. Amy almost got expelled for one particular incident. Uh, There was an eclipse. And Amy and the other girls at the boarding school very much wanted to see the eclipse. It was going to happen at night and the... uh, the teachers and the principal decided it was too late for the girls to stay up, and so they said they weren't allowed to stay up and see the eclipse. They were to go to go ahead and go to bed. So Amy conspired with her classmates that she would wake them up in time to see the eclipse. So she tied a string going from, uh, I think, going from toe to toe of the girls, and at a certain time, Amy pulled on the string and got all the girls awake, got them all corralled, and they were sneaking up to the attic. They opened the doorway into the attic, and there was the principal and all the teachers looking at the girls with Amy in the lead. And so the principal told Amy that that particular incident showed a lot of planning and a lot of intention that she did not think was appropriate. So that's when Amy almost got expelled from boarding school. Um, There was another incident in Amy's childhood that I think is important to deal with. She had been her usual, as we'd say in Texas, ornery self, getting into mischief, getting into everything, stressing her mother out. And finally, one day, it was just more than her mom could bear. And her mom sat down at her dresser, at her own dresser, and just began to cry. And Amy said that she had never seen that kind of sadness on her mother's face. And she knew that it was had to do with her behavior, and it broke Amy's heart to see her mom so saddened by her behavior. Now, no doubt that helped Amy stay on the straight and narrow for a while, but you know, like I said, she was full of mischief. Well, there was a good, a very good thing that happened while Amy was at boarding school. That's when uh, she got saved. So even though Amy had grown up in church, she had been praying since she was a little girl. She knew who Jesus was. I'm sure she could tell you exactly how to get saved. She was not the most well-behaved child, but, you know, you would think that she had already gotten saved, but she hadn't. So while she was there at that Methodist boarding school, a minister was speaking, and they were singing the hymn, Jesus Loves Me. And that hymn is known to children the world over. Uh, Probably anywhere the gospel has been preached in the last 50 to 100 years, children have been exposed to that hymn, Jesus Loves Me. And as they were singing that hymn, that simple hymn that we don't think much of, Amy realized that Jesus loved her. And that applied to her. And that's when she was, as we would say, converted. She was born again. That's when Amy became a Christian. Things for the Carmichael family took a very sad turn when Amy was 17. Her father passed away. Now, he was an older man when he married. He was 37 when he first married. And, of course, Amy's mom was his his first and only wife. Uh, But he was still far too young, to die so suddenly like that, and that left Amy's mom as a mother of seven children, a widow with seven children, That it was a huge change in the family's finances, and it also meant that Amy had to become like a second mother to her siblings. However, the Lord very closely watched over this little family and kept their needs all supplied, and Amy's mom was able to find work, and Amy worked very hard to be the mature, responsible daughter and uh, mother figure to the, her brothers and sisters that they needed. So Amy had to grow up. She had no choice but to put aside the her mischievous, ornery ways and really get in there. And she really did become a huge help and a huge support to her mother. Now, it was also when Amy was about 17 that she felt like she learned what really mattered in life and what mattered to the Lord. So she was heading home from church with her brothers and sisters. And on the way, they encountered this pitifully frail older woman that was struggling with some bags. Now, people were not supposed to be carrying packages on a Sunday, at least in this part of Ireland. It was considered inappropriate. And Amy's instinct was to help this lady. And she did, but it meant that she would have to face the disapproving looks of the church people who felt it was wrong to be carrying packages on a Sunday. And yet, Amy knew that as a Christian, she should help this lady. And so that's what Amy did. Amy helped that lady. And a scripture came to Amy's mind that influenced the rest of her life. And it's out of 1 Corinthians uh. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Note, that means to reveal. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So that means if your work abides, if it lasts, if it passes the test, if you've built on a foundation that is strong and right and good, if you built on a foundation of the Bible's teachings, of Jesus' teachings, then your work will pass the test. But imagine spending your entire life But your foundation wasn't right. Your work, when it's put to the test, it fails and you receive no reward. Well, that day, Amy made up her mind that she wanted to do the work that would last. She wanted her life to count, and she wanted it to pass the test, so to speak. It's not that she was after a reward, but she wanted work that was lasting in the sight of God. Now, something that stood out to me as I was, you know, I've, I've been, I've done multiple presentations on Amy's life, but something just stood out to me as I was talking here. If we rewind for just a second, I talked about one of the reasons Amy was controversial is she didn't care what the Christian people thought of her. She didn't care what other missionaries thought of her. She didn't care what church people thought of her. She cared what Jesus thought of her. And as long as Jesus approved of her, that was all that mattered. And we see the beginning of that taking shape right here. Because remember I said that Amy, as she was wanting to help that lady, she realized she would have to face the disapproving looks of the church people who felt it was wrong to be carrying packages on a Sunday. And Amy had to make a decision. Would she do what pleased the Lord? Or would she do what would please the church people? And let's face it, pleasing the religious people, pleasing society, pleasing even a Christian culture does not always mean pleasing God. And we've got to put God first. We've got to put what pleases God first. We have to follow what he leads us to do. We can't live our lives Under someone else's guidance, we need to receive our guidance from the Lord. We can't walk someone else's path. We have to walk the path that the Lord lays out for us. And this was the beginning of Amy doing that. This is when Amy's sail was set, so to speak, that no matter what happened, no matter who came against her, no matter who disapproved of her, who criticized her, who took her books and threw them across the room in anger at what she had written, who accused her of lying, whoever accused her of exaggerating, as long as she knew what she was doing was in the will of God, Amy would persevere. And I believe that's why we see her work having survived so many years. And this brings out something else, too. In this scripture, it said, If any man's work abide which he built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work abide. The missionary group that Amy started, the orphanage that she started, Donover, still stands, is still in place, is still functioning still follows the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ still has Amy's imprint upon it her work lasted so um, that's when Amy faced one of the major turning points the first one was when Amy got saved this is the second one when Amy decides that it's more important to please Jesus than anything else and there's another one coming up soon we'll get to that in a little bit well, as Amy came to the realization that she wanted her life to count for the Lord, and she wanted her work to stand, she wanted to have a life that counted for all eternity. And so she became more active in church, even more than before. And one of the, ways that, one of the things she did is she started an outreach to the young ladies, young women that worked in the local factories. And these young women were called by the Irish people, the Shawleys. And the reason they got that nickname was because they wore shawls, these giant shawls that were very thick. They wore them around their head and over their shoulders to keep warm uh, during the winter months when it would get so terribly cold. And these young women would get up in the wee hours of the morning and go to uh, go to work in the factory, spend their day in a stuffy factory with probably hardly any sunlight, definitely no fresh air, and then come home. They didn't have much of an opportunity at an education. And they it seems they weren't really welcome in the churches. So I like Amy's approach. If these people aren't welcome in churches, then we'll build them their own church. And that's exactly what Amy Carmichael did. I don't even think she was, I'm not even sure she was in her 20s yet, and she had already built a church. And it still stands in Ireland. Uh, It was called The Welcome. I love it. That's what she called the church, The Welcome. Isn't that a good name for a church? And it was uh, founded in 1889, and it still stands. Now it's The Welcome Evangelical Church. And its motto today in modern times is reaching out and inviting in. So, now, how is that for a track record? Amy went from a mischievous hellion of a child to actually starting her own church for the Shollies. So, we've talked about turning point one, when Amy was born again. Turning point two, when Amy decided that she wanted to please Jesus and make her life count for all eternity. And now we're at turning point three at the Keswick Convention. Now, the Keswick Convention was uh, a very powerful meeting that was taking place in Keswick, uh, uh, Keswick, England. And one of its major themes was holiness. And not so much holiness in the sense of how you dress and how you look. But this really got to the core of the issue. It was holiness from the inside out. And they believed that holiness meant not just that your outward actions pleased the Lord, but your attitudes pleased the Lord. And you wanted to please the Lord in every part of your life. So, Amy attended the Keswick Convention with her mother. And about the time that Amy attended, there's a picture that was taken of Amy. Amy. And this is my favorite picture of Amy Carmichael. She's sitting there in a very proper looking white Victorian dress. And she's holding a kitten. Now, if you know me personally, you know that I have a cat that I absolutely adore named Xena, Warrior Princess. So that caught my attention. Um, Amy holding this kitten that seems perfectly pleased to be sitting in Miss Amy's lap. And Amy looks so sweet in this picture. So... She and her mother attend this convention where the theme is holiness. And Amy said that she was frustrated that she could not live up to the standards that were set by Jesus in the word of God. She struggled with bad attitudes. She struggled with a bad temper. She struggled with these things. You know, she was that ornery, mischievous child. And even though she had gotten saved, there were still areas that she fought daily. And it may be things that nobody else noticed, but Amy knew. And this, like I said, this frustrated her. And this frustrates so many of us as Christians. When there's things in our lives that we know don't line up to the word of God. And yet we can't seem to get things in order. We can't seem to make it. We can't seem to get victory. And it can be different for different people. Well, Amy said the Lord revealed a scripture to her. As she was attending these meetings. With a hunger for God. Wanting victory. Wanting to be free of sin. Wanting her life to please God. It wasn't what anybody thought. It it wasn't what her mother thought. It wasn't that they were preaching against these things. Not saying they shouldn't be. But just saying it was because she wanted this in her own heart. And here's the scripture. That the Lord revealed to Amy in a special way. It was Jude 1.24. And I love the scripture now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to prevent you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And Amy said, as she listened to that scripture, that she realized it was the Lord that would keep her from falling and not herself. The victory comes from the Lord. She could try and try and try, but there would be certain things in her life that she could not overcome. But the Lord could keep her. The Lord could hold her up. The Lord could help her. And that was just just a tremendous, tremendous blessing to Amy. She was so excited about that revelation. And she said they went to eat afterwards and someone was complaining the pork chops they had ordered were tough. And Amy said her thought process was, who cares if the pork chops are tough? Jesus is able to keep me from falling. So I thought that's pretty cool. That's the next major turning point in Amy's life. And I'll give you a little preview of why this is so important. In the dawn of her fellowship, Amy worked primarily with women. The leadership was pretty much all women, with Amy being the, uh, the primary leader. And, you, and I'll just be honest with you. You get that many women together, trying to work together every day, living together, dealing with these kids together, day after day, there is going to be stress, there's going to be problems. And yet, the Lord enabled these ladies, for the most part, to live and work with each other peaceably and part of that comes from the lord helping amy gain victory over bad attitudes and temper one of the rules that amy established at the dawn of her fellowship is that they would never talk about someone that wasn't present and i thought that was pretty cool too but that's uh that's part of what made amy who she was that's part of what gave her such power in her prayers that kind of life of holiness and commitment to God allows the power of God to flow through us unhindered. Allows the Holy Spirit of God to move through us unhindered. And Amy was literally able to go toe to toe with the powers of darkness and see victory. She was able with the Lord working through her to snatch children out of the, out of the devil's hands. And so there was just so much that Amy was able to do. And it, I believe the key to all that Amy was able to accomplish was here in these three turning points. When she was born again, when she decided that G, pleasing Jesus was the most important thing. And when she realized that it was possible to live a holy life because Jesus could keep us from falling. Well, after the success of the welcome, Amy and her mother were invited to the neighboring city of Manchester to work. And Amy's mother was being paid, and this was really good because that helped with supporting the family. And Amy was active, too. Maybe a little bit too active. Amy said it was during this time that she learned an important lesson about the need for rest. Amy's health broke, and she desperately needed rest. And if Amy was there in the city, she was going to be trying to do the Lord's work. She was going to be trying to help her mother and help people and reach people. And that was just who Amy was. Um, I think nowadays we might say she was a bit like the Energizer Bunny. If you're familiar with the Energizer Bunny commercials, it keeps going and going. Well, um, while at another Keswick convention, Amy and her mom came in contact with a devout Quaker named Mr. Wilson. And he had recently lost his wife and had lost his daughter who was amy's age and realizing that amy needed some rest she needed to get out of the city out of an urban area and more out into the country he offered amy a job as his personal secretary in his large servant-filled home where he lived with his two bachelor sons now nowadays we would look at this and our eyebrows would be raised that she was living with mr wilson well it was a large home with tons of servants and she was basically another servant there in the home so please keep that in mind i can assure you from what i've read of amy there was nothing inappropriate that would have uh, that amy would have allowed to have taken place well she accepted this position this gave her a little bit of a chance to rest further out in the country. And she was making money, which went to support her mother. Now, when I was reading Amy's, uh, biographies, I'll be honest with you. I felt like Amy basically, Amy's mom basically sold her to Mr. Wilson as a servant. (laughs) I mean, I, I just, I, I didn't like how that worked out. I'll be honest with you. Um, but the Lord has a way of working things out and making doors where it seems like there's a solid wall. So she affectionately nicknamed Mr. Wilson the old man. Um, he was in his 50s. I bet he did not like being called the old man, but that might have been a way to kind of distance herself from him and make it clear that she was not interested in any kind of romantic uh, relationship with him. Now, he had two bachelor sons, and you would think they would like having this cute young thing in the house. Oh, no, they did not like Amy. Amy disrupted their bachelorhood, and she was, you know, energetic, and Amy was full of life and vim and vigor and somewhat outspoken, even in her younger years. And so they did not like Amy. (laughs) But uh, that's what Amy did. She worked as his uh, personal secretary. And there was something interesting. Amy said that while she was working for Mr. Wilson, she learned to be a deep well. And what she meant by that is people will tell you very personal things, especially if you are working with someone who is a church leader or a missionary or a counselor. You're going to hear things and you're going to learn about things that you have to absolutely not share they go in that well and they stay there and so amy said she learned a lot about not repeating things that there are certain things you listen to and you don't repeat it and certain things you listen to and you have to take to the lord and that's always one good thing if we are sworn to secrecy we can always tell jesus because he already knows but while she's at uh Mr. Wilson's, she comes in contact with a lot of uh, holiness ministers and preachers and teachers that are friends of Mr. Wilson's, a lot of people very active in the Keswick Convention. And Amy's call to the mission field began to grow after she heard J. Hudson Taylor, founder of the China Inland Mission, speak at one of the Keswick Conventions. And he was... He was something else again. I'm one of these days I'm going to do a whole set of uh, podcasts on the China Inland Mission and the wonderful, amazing things that those uh, missionaries, including the Lamb party, were able to accomplish. But today we're talking about J. Hudson Taylor's impact on Amy. Amy said she didn't initially realize the Lord was calling her. She was obviously called to ministry. Although now she was just acting as personal secretary to Mr. Wilson. But she had even founded a church and all of that. She was had these leadership abilities and everything. And the Lord was calling her, but she didn't realize it. But she noticed that her burden for the lost kept growing in intensity. And so she began to think about it. Could the Lord be calling me to missions? And she said, but there's my mom. And my brothers and sisters, who's going to take care of them financially? And then there was Mr. Wilson, and she felt kind of bad about it because he had grown so attached to her, and what would happen to Mr. Wilson? And so Amy did what most young Christians do. Besides, of course, praying about this, she went to some of her older Christian friends and began to speak to them about what she was feeling. And do you know what happened? Amy was criticized by them. They said she was seeking adventure, excitement, and fun, and she should be ashamed of herself. And she was even told that if she left for the mission field, then it would be the death of Mr. Wilson. Can you imagine having a call and feeling feeling it so intensely and that you go and you talk to someone that you love and you trust, and this is how you're met? But you know what? We know, obviously, Amy didn't listen to them. Amy listened to the Lord. So, it was good that she sought their advice. But we have to remember that we always have to put the Lord first. And again, we see that same decision that Amy is being forced to face. Will she please Jesus or will she please the church people? Will she please the other Christians? She has to please Jesus. And they didn't have this burden that she felt in her heart. They didn't have this intense desire to see people saved. And so Amy, listened to what they had to say. She took it before the Lord in prayer. She prayed and asked the Lord, is this my motive? Am I seeking adventure? Am I seeking fun? Am I seeking excitement? Or am I doing this because I have a burden? And she was determined To let God's words take precedence over what anybody else would say. And I'm going to end this podcast uh, right there. I'm going to continue on uh, with her attempts to get into the mission field in, uh, in part two. But I hope that something in this somehow is spoken to you. And I hope that you enjoyed my podcast and I thank you so much for listening. Bye.